here we are with full disclosure. We do it every Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. David Grising is back with us, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. David, welcome back. Good to talk to you after I was out last week. Uh, great to be back here with you on this Wednesday morning. We missed you, Jim. Glad to have you back. <laughs> well, let's dive right into it. Uh, this is something I know you and the BGA are laser focused on, uh, and we're going uh, into it with even more uncertainty than usual. The process of drawing new legislative district and congressional maps, uh, which is supposed to be based on census data, census data that won't be forthcoming for months now. Illinois has deadlines to try to get these maps together and uh, we we don't have the data needed yet to do it. So what does this all mean, and what does it mean particularly in terms of creating fair maps, maps that really take into account not just the needs of politicians, but the, the needs of voters for fair and equitable representation? Well, it's really uh, unprecedented that the data is not here. Of course, it's due to COVID. Um, what it means is that the chances are higher than usual that this could go past the June 30th deadline and uh, wind up in a uh, bipartisan uh, committee uh, of the legislature. And and so um, uh, that would be, um, in, in a way, that would be uh, an acceptable outcome. It's happened before. This wouldn't be the first time. Uh, the trouble is that the hearings are happening now uh, without any new data for people to be looking at to see how populations are affected. And it appears that some of the draw the lines will be drawn without the data in hand and maybe just adjusted uh, later when the data does come in. And, and so it's quite messy. The Senate President Don Harmon has made it clear that he feels this process ought to move forward, that he's going to do everything he can do to make sure that there is a plan delivered to the governor by that June 30th deadline. And it appears that he's afraid of the Democrats uh, not having un, uh, unchallenged control of the process. And this speaks to the politicization of uh, map, mapping, map making in Illinois, which is something the BGA and other good government groups have been uh, fighting against for a very long time. The, the problem with this, it's so complex because there's so many interests that come into play. As you noted, uh, political interests uh, may never be fully separated from this as long as it's in the hands of the legislature to draw these maps. Uh, but even lawmakers have some other considerations. They want to make sure there is uh, equitable representation for various minority and demographic groups. Uh, there's interest in making sure that rural residents have some voice in the process it, as much as the folks in the big city do, and balancing all of those at times competing interests can be really challenging. It absolutely is. There's discussion. You talked about downstate uh, districts. There is discussion that uh, in the state house that um, you know there will be a move to combine a couple of uh, Republican districts, um, uh, maybe move from five Republican districts to three. Republican districts statewide. Um, in terms of Congress, you mean? Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, and, and, I, and I was just about to mention that Adam Kinzinger's district is thought to be at risk, in part because there's an expectation that the party um, uh, would not back him. You see the same sort of thing playing out in the state legislature as well, where the party leaders in particular are divvying up the uh, districts. The, the process... The process starts backwards. It starts with 
putting maps, pins in the map where the incumbents live, and protecting incumbents. And when the BGA developed its own map uh, using 2016 data, not the latest census data, but still uh, use its own map, we found that um, if you mapped without reference to where we incumbents live, you would have about a dozen truly competitive districts in the state legislature, whereas now there are just very, very, very few. Um, you would have much, many more competitive races, whereas more than half of the races for the state legislature don't even have uh, uh, an opponent. The person running doesn't have an opponent. And these are the things that the distorting effects of the gerrymandering that happens. And so if people want to be able to select their elected leaders, uh, map, map making is where it all begins. And unfortunately, as we stand now, this is a totally politicized process. In this state, it is run by the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party has super majorities. And, um, uh, you know, that that's that's what Don Harmon uh, and others in the party leadership are seeking to uh, maintain in place. It's going to be fascinating. And again, as you noted, we're in an unprecedented situation because of the pandemic delaying this data from getting in. That could actually create the sort of bipartisan situation that politics can't do and the courts won't do, uh, but it may happen uh, regardless anyway. I, I do have a prediction, whatever happens, I have a feeling we're going to see court fights over this before it's all done. So it is going to be uh, interesting to watch. And the clock's running because, of course, uh, we're less than a year away from the 2022 primary. People are going to want to know what where their districts are, where they might be running, what seats they might want to be running for. So there's not a, a ton of extra time left to get that all squared away. David Grising's here with this president and CEO of the Better Government Association. David, I want to move on to uh, our reporting this week about a proposed constitutional amendment from Republican state senator and candidate for governor Darren Bailey, who is proposing that we remove the pension protection clause from the state constitution. The one says that public sector pensions cannot be diminished or impaired. Uh, I think we have to know right out of the gate that the odds of the Democratic controlled legislature allowing a Darren Bailey constitutional amendment to see the light of day are <laughs> are less than zero at this point. Uh, but the senator says he just wants to start a conversation here. So so let's have that conversation. Is this the way to go to try to address the pension crisis, to give the state the latitude to renege on some of its commitments, or are we should we be looking at other, uh, other means of addressing this problem? Well, for starters, I would say um, one way we should not go is to allow people like Darren Bailey to put forward an idea like this and then refuse to grant an interview to WMAY or any other media and and leave us to go to his Facebook feed to read his uh, monologue on the question. This is not the way that politicians, especially those presenting controversial proposals, ought to behave. If his idea is strong, it should be able to stand up into inquiry from Jim Leach at WMAY or reporters elsewhere across the state. And if this person plans to run for governor, he needs to uh, develop a little bit of a thicker skin and be ready for the free-for-all instead of just the, uh, the, the showmanship that he has uh, has engaged in over the last year with wearing, refusing to wear a mask at the state house uh, in the spring session last year, that sort of, that sort of stunt. Um, but as to the specifics, Jim, you're right. The, this his a, a Darren Bailey-backed idea like this has no political chance. Is the idea of a constitutional amendment worthy of of discussion and, and uh, consideration? And would it potentially accomplish something good for the state? Yes, I believe it would. 
Um, I believe it would it, it, um, bring parties to the table to talk about holistic solutions to uh, the state's severe pension underfunding, which is really distorting all of the state's finances and is a problem that needs to be deal dealt with. Um, and the efforts to do so so far have been constrained by the constitutional limits. Um, but as of right now, uh, Governor Pritzker has shown no interest and, in fact, said he is against the idea. Um, I think claims without much uh, substance that uh, that even if there were an amendment, any changes would still get, get kicked back in the courts, et cetera. Um, it's a really complicated issue, but when you take when you take off the table the notion of a negotiated settlement by all interested parties because of the constitutional prohibition against diminishing or impairing pensions, it really constrains the ability of the legislature and the governor to, to seriously address the pension problem. You know, the, the uh, interesting part about the Bailey proposal, the language of it talks about the ability then to reduce those benefits, even that have already been earned or whenever those benefits were established, seeming to open the door to, uh, you know, people who are maybe on the brink of retirement, I guess even potentially people who've already retired, suddenly seeing their, their pensions reduced. Uh, and obviously that sends, you know, real shockwaves through uh, an entire population of uh, current and soon-to-be retirees in the public sector, teachers, first responders, et cetera, uh, about, uh, about you know, what this might mean for, for them and their livelihoods and their standard of living going forward. Uh, are there other alternatives besides basically saying to people the, the income you've been counting on and that you were told you were going to get now may not be there in its entirety? Do we have other options available to us? Well, there may be other options available. There are some who believe that you can refinance the pension debt yet again and extend uh, the path toward the now legally mandated uh, 2045 deadline for reaching 90% funding of the pensions. Uh, there are people who believe that taxing retirement uh, is an option and uh, should be considered, retirement income should be considered. There are all kinds of issues. And frankly, uh, you know, I come from a background as a business reporter, and I've covered many, many companies that pensions just disappeared virtually overnight when the, com when the private companies just killed pension plans. And I realize that that is not, uh, not moral conduct. People say this is a moral issue. But it is a risk of living in a capitalist society that sometimes uh, guarantees you thought were there while you during your career uh, turn out not to be what you had expected. And the, when when pension payments are compromising the ability of the state to do other parts of its business, uh, there is a, there is a valid argument to be made that we have to look at uh, competing interests that people in the state have with regard to that obligation as well as other obligations, such as the policing power of the state that is compromised when the, when the state can't uh, afford to to fund um, basic basic self health and safety measures. So, uh, my my belief is that we a pension amendment should be looked at because it helps us uh, come about and look at all available options in order to come out what is with what is fairest uh, and best for 
as many residents of the city of the state of Illinois as possible. It's worth noting that in that uh, Facebook video that you mentioned, Senator Bailey made a pledge that anything he's talking about would not uh, impact the retirement of anybody making under $140,000. But I guess above that income level, they could see some uh, financial impact, which sounds a lot like a graduated income tax to me, which I thought was a little bit (laughs) ironic. But uh, in in any event, with that, we'll take a quick break. We've got more to talk about this morning. One of the important things that the BGA does. They are your source for the PolitiFact Illinois Fact Check, where they look at the statements of public officials and evaluate them for accuracy, which is something we should be looking for in the statements of our public officials. Uh, They recently looked at uh, statements from Republican Congressman Mike Bost of Southern Illinois, but we've also heard uh, one of our area congressmen, Darren LaHood, make similar comments related to the American Rescue Plan, President Biden's coronavirus relief package, particularly the aid to state and local governments and a, a contention by the GOP that essentially this is a free-for-all, that uh, money is going to states like Illinois with virtually no limits on what they can do with it. Congressman LaHood said it's no strings attached. Uh, and so uh, BGA and, and PolitiFact took a, a look at this. And David Greising, uh, tell us what you found. Well, in fact, we found we found the statement to be half true, uh, and and uh, the LaHood and statements are very similar, but using different wording. Uh, we did not look into uh, Darren LaHood's uh, statements specifically, but in any event, um, uh, what we found is that yeah, there there are limitations, and the one that Illinois is sorely aware of is. You can't take this money and spend it to fix your pension problems. That is specifically uh, um, uh, not allowed in this legislation. Also, what is overlooked here is that while there is um, some $7.6 billion in direct aid to the state of Illinois that is expected, there are billions more that are specifically earmarked for purposes like schools, like vaccines and testings, like uh, public transportation. Um, and and if that money is spent in other ways, uh, it will be it will be unauthorized spending and there would be impl- there would be repercussions for that. And, and so it's it's not accurate to say that this is just a blank check. There's all kinds of good reasons for Republicans and others to criticize this plan uh, for overspending, for not being necessary, et cetera. And there are good reasons for Democrats who are arguing that, you know what, not only should this money come in, but more money should come in because it will help restart the economy in, in ways that are needed right now. This is fair political discussion. What we don't like is when politicians distort the facts that are out there, mislead the public in order to uh, advance their political agenda. And that's what happens when people like Boston, like LaHood, overstate their arguments in this way. You can uh, read the whole thing. They bring the receipts with it. They have uh, sources cited and links to all of it at the Better Government Association website. We give that address coming up here in just a moment. David, before we let you go, we want to talk a little bit about an issue uh, that hasn't been uh, so much front and center here in the Springfield area. It's a huge issue right now in Chicago. Block Club Chicago has done a lot of great reporting on this to get to the bottom of what appears to be a movement by a Chicago hospital that is supposed to be helping underserved communities, but may in fact have been steering some of its uh, precious supply of COVID-19 vaccine to the the wealthy, the politically connected. Uh, What do we know about this situation at Loretto Hospital? Well, one thing we do know is that that, uh, the state lawmakers are more involved in this than people might have realized at first. Uh, Kim Lightford is the vice chair of the board of directors of Loretto Hospital, and LaShawn Ford has resigned his position there because of some of the... uh, 
uh, penalties that were imposed on the leadership of the hospital for this uh, tawdry situation in which they took vaccine doses that were earmarked for the general public and uh, gave them, as you stated, to, for example, judges, uh, to um, uh, uh people affiliated with Trump Tower, for example. And th th we still have not gotten to the bottom of this yet. But this, you know, the, the excuse that the hospital made was that, oh, it was late in the day and these doses were going to be wasted. So we just called in some people, et cetera. Um, that doesn't really hold water. And it just shows you um, how desperate people are still, even though the vaccine doses are becoming more widely available, how desperate people are to get those doses and that people in positions of responsibility uh, sometimes will abuse that responsibility. The city of Chicago has responded appropriately by um, by uh, denying more dosage going to Loretto until they understand exactly what has gone on here. And it's really a shame in this particular instance because this hospital is on Chicago's west side. It is a landmark of healthcare in a community that desperately needs. Uh, healthcare, black and brown people are, are grossly underrepresented in the vaccination uh, of residents in the state of Illinois, as as elsewhere across the country. And to take dosages that were directed toward that specific community and and hand them off to others is really uh, deplorable uh, behavior. Uh, you can, again, uh, learn more about all of these sorts of issues by checking out the Better Government Association website. David, how do people reach you and the BGA the rest of the week? I'm at dgrising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And, of course, here each Wednesday morning, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Jim.